Take us live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Thrilled to be coming to you on this Tuesday, July 5th. Herc, I'd usually ask you how was your weekend, your July 4th weekend, but I know how it was because I called producer Beto last night to get some real work done. And what do I find is happening? There's a barbecue, there's a fiesta, there's a party at your house. The whole production crew is over there. And then when I come into town, crickets. Nothing's going on. I see how it is. Uh, July 4th, you seem to come into town on weekdays. I got mm. kids, man. I got kids. It wasn't a uh, festive day when you come into town. It was, by the way, uh, America's birthday, as my daughter likes to refer to it. So uh, happy birthday, America. So clearly then when I go to L.A., I have no friends. We know Herc has a lot of friends. One of them, Hector Herrera. These two guys played together at Pachuca. Of course, Achi has just made the big move to the Houston Dynamo. We're going to hear from him uh, in just a little bit. We're also speaking of Mexico. Going to check in on what happened last night in Monterrey. Yes, with both the U.S. and Mexico at the CONCACAF W Championship. And her speaking of CONCACAF, how about those U.S. U-20s looking good as they stormed through the field, finishing the job. But let's start the show with Tyler Adams, big news for the U.S. midfielder. Looks like he's set for a move from RB Leipzig to Leeds, reuniting him with Jesse Marsh, who, of course, coached him not just at Leipzig, but New York Red Bulls as well, where he gave him his debut. The transfer fee, a reported $23 million. Adams leaving Leipzig after four years and over 100 appearances across all competitions. His time in Germany picked up a German Cup title that last season. And, of course, Adams, the second American player to join Leeds this transfer window. Brendan Aronson as well. All right, Herc, so uh, what are your expectations here for Tyler Adams year one in the Premier League with Leeds United? To play and be an important piece, Domenico Tedesto, the new coach at RB Leipzig, once Jesse Marsh was gone, he figured Tyler Adams should have gone with him. He's no longer in his plans. He wasn't playing towards the end. And when he was playing, he was playing as a Hybrid center back, uh, something that I saw in the Europa League and I couldn't believe Tyler Adams was playing there. He just wasn't in his plan. So now you're going to a place that's in theory higher in level, the Premier League to the Bundesliga, but you're giving up Champions League to prove yourself. This is a player that is going to play with Jesse Marsh. But in playing so with Jesse Marsh, he needs to be an important cog, an important piece. He needs to be a leader. He needs to save Leeds. Because as we know, Leeds is going to be probably one of those teams that's going to be fighting for salvation. So, yes, important player that has to play and has to be an important piece. Anything else would be a failure under Jesse Marsh. Okay, you're dancing around it. Important player, important player, big role. You know the word I want to hear. Is he going to be a starter? Because to me, that, that's the obvious one. Of course he's going to be a starter. Think... You got... Hold on. That goes without saying. This move isn't happening for him to go sit on the bench. They're not going to pay $24 million for him to sit on the bench. He's going to play. And not only does he have to play, but they got to do well. Because mm. you know what's going to happen. And Tyler Adams followed around, or just following around Jesse Marsh for, for quite a while. So the, you know the narrative that's going to come out. I do, I do. Look, I, we know that he's going to get opportunities under Marsh. If we look at kind of the, the last season at Leipzig, in the 13 games before Marsh gets fired, Adams gets seven starts. After that, the rest of the way, and Marsh got fired in early December. He starts five games in total. So we know Jesse Marsh is going to give him those opportunities and probably give him a, a longer leash. However, in the Premier League, Herc, you know there's a short leash for anybody. And I know, you, I know we're going to go down the American road in a little bit, but for, for anybody coming into a club like Leeds, yes, Absolutely. they're going to fight for salvation. Yes, they may be against a relegation last year. It's a big club with big pressures. 
So I, I think that's very safe to say here uh, with Tyler Adams. But you mentioned the American angle and the risk potentially involved. There's risk in every move. Who do you think assumes more risk here? Is it Tyler Adams betting on Jesse Marsh to help kind of resuscitate his European career? Or is it the other way around? Marsh betting on not just Adams, but another American in the same window, which is his first window at Leeds. Well, it's Jesse Marsh. It's Jesse Marsh because of who he replaces. He's replacing a very beloved figure in Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds. And he's doing so with the narrative of this Ted Lasso, the American coach coming into the English game and the pundits, the media, and the circus that surrounds that. And then he brings in Brendan Aronson. So it's not like, okay, he's bringing an American kid who he trusts, he knows. But then he's also bringing in Tyler Adams that he's had in Major League Soccer, that he was the assistant coach at Leipzig that brought in Tyler Adams to Leipzig. Uh, And now, a player that he had himself while he was coaching at Leipzig as the first team coach. So yes, the narrative will be it's on Jesse, it's on Jesse Marsh, and if you don't succeed, it's these Americans. Now, I've been seeing plenty of people online upset with Craig Burley because he cracked a joke about blame the (laughs) Americans, but there's some truth to that. The narrative exists because Mm. we see Brendan Aronson, we see Tyler Adams, we see Jesse Marsh, and the 49ers organization that owns Leeds United. So it's, it's, is it low-hanging fruit? Yes, it is. Is it true? Yes, it is. And will it happen? Yes, it will happen. If things don't go well for them, they will start blaming the Americans. So you talk about replacing a legend from the Jesse Marsh perspective. I think the same can be said here for Tyler Adams with Calvin Phillips, right? This is an English international who was a, a Leeds Academy product. Like, they love this guy. So I think there's, there's like some risk there for Tyler Adams. Of course, much more risk on Jesse Marsh, right? He's, he's really in his first window going all in on the Americans, specifically with Adams. Leads were linked to other dudes, Herc. Like he, if Jesse Marsh wanted a safe play, he could have found it elsewhere. He could have found somebody else to play that. I think it says a lot of just how high he is on Tyler Adams, that he didn't need to pick an American. And even though it's a little more risk to him personally, he still bet on Tyler Adams. I I think that tells you exactly what you need to know. And if I'm Tyler Adams, I'm expecting not just to start, but to succeed. Because you remember that interview we did, one of the first we did on this show. Remember, he got real kind of, not mad, but I think he was like bitter at the question when I asked him about position. There is no more question, Herc, to your point about him playing center back at Leipzig, about his position. Under Jesse Marsh, he's going to play his role. So if anywhere, it's got to be here, right? It has to be here for It's for going Adams. to be here, and he will play, and he will play in his role. But you have to keep in mind, Jesse Marsh isn't just looking for a defensive midfielder. He's looking for a leader. He's looking for a captain. That's the type of player that Tyler Adams is for Jesse Marsh. Okay, so you like to go down this road of like the Americans are hated overseas and the British press is very tough. But, but sometimes there are some fans that, that really do like Jesse Marsh. Can I, can I show you this example? I don't know if this is safe for TV. Did you see this on Twitter? Drippin', I don't know how we're going to convert this into drippin' or trippin'. This is a Leeds fan who promised to get a Jesse Marsh tattoo on his body. You can figure out what part. If Jesse Marsh kept leads up, and the fan kept his promise hurt, so how do we analyze this from a dripping or tripping sense? This should have been, are you cool with it, right? Because, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a dripping booty. Like, what are we going to say? You know, like, come on, man. Like, honestly, I, you know what? I'm going to give it dripping because this fan, he was a man of his word. He kept yes. his word. He said, if he saves us, I am going to tattoo this. I... I didn't need that angle. No, no. So I actually looked, I looked on this guy's Twitter and he was like a huge Bielsa fan. So I I think he was pretty heartbroken when Bielsa left. So to see him then get the 
the Marsh tattoo there is, is, is a great look for Jesse Marsh. So see, maybe the press hasn't been converted, but some Leeds fans certainly have. Well, you know, Leeds fans didn't invent this. Sounders fans did. Oh. If you know, you know. No. Hey, Maddo. Seattle invented everything soccer. Did they invent the under-20 CONCACAF championship? I'm sure, Herc, uh, you're going to tell me that they did. On Sunday, the final, U.S. against Dominican Republic. Both teams already qualified, not just for the U-20 World Cup, uh, but for the Olympics as well. And the U.S., Herc, they dominated. First goal came in the 17th minute. They run roughshod, 6 nothing over Dominican Republic. Wow. <laughs> wow. Like, this was the final. This wasn't group stage. This wasn't like any regular old game. This was the final of the tournament, and it was 6-0. Could have been worse. Like, what do you want me to say here, Seb? <laughs> congratulations. Congrat I want you to say congratulations, congratulations. to uh, Mikey Varis and his team, the, uh, the under-20s, doing it big. Their third straight time that the U.S. has won the uh, under-20 CONCACAF championship. So, USMNT Twitter reacting on Sunday night. Hey, we won the U-20. Sir, is it something, nothing, or everything? Well, it's not nothing. I mean, you're, you just won the third straight U-20 tournament here in CONCACAF, so it's got to be something, right? But it's also not everything because you've done it before, and what has it gotten you? Not much. But it's the way they did do it that to me means that it's between something and everything. I mean... It, literally, literally, they just ran through teams, dominated. I mean, they scored 31 goals for, two against. Both goals against were against Canada in the group stage. This team averaged 4.42 goals per game. They ran through the competition. There was nobody even close to them. I mean, the team that was supposed to be there with the Mexico lost to Guatemala, who lost to the Dominican Republic, who they dominated in the final by six goals, and it could have been worse. It's not the fact that they won, it's how they won. Right. Yeah. Uh, like these tournaments, especially when you look over the past years, the stars of like a U-20 CONCACAF tournament don't end up being always, the, and very rarely we should say, um, the stars of the national team. They're, they're two-week tournaments featuring teenagers, right? Anything can happen. The fact it's three straight, I will give you, is at least something. If I, if I were a real fan, right, and I wanted to get fanatical about it, I would say everything because to your point, have you ever seen a U.S. team dominate CONCACAF like that? And I'm not just talking about the numbers, Herc. I'm talking about the how. Like, the way that they played was very satisfying, and the way they dominated the key games. The final, it's 3-0 basically by the 40th minute. The semifinal, it's 3-0 by the 40th minute. And the quarterfinal, which is, you know, a must-win game, it's five minutes in when Paxton Aronson scores. They were, they were killer, and damn, did they look good doing it. Yeah, and they did it against teams like the home team, Honduras, in front of mm. a packed crowd. I mean, it really is the way they did it, Seb. Nothing seemed to phase these kids, and they are kids. Uh, and congrats to them, because this is an amazing accomplishment. Yes, one of the accomplishments, of course, they punch a ticket to the 2024 Olympics, which we know will be held in Paris. Now, men's soccer at the Olympics, you get three overage players you can add to your roster. So, Herc, we gave you some homework here. You got the entire pool of overage U.S. men's national team players. Who are you taking with those three spots? Before I start, let me just say I was going through the names and I realized the type of roster that the U.S. Mm -hmm. youth national team, because it's a youth tournament, it's a U23 tournament for the Olympics, will have. I mean, Gaga, Salonina, Bello, uh, you know, could be on one side. You could have 
Reynolds or Joe Scali on the other side. You're talking about guys that didn't even play in this guys last Guys that didn't even right. play. Yeah. Eunice Musa, uh, Giovanni Reina, uh, Ricardo Pepe, and Matthew Hoppe. Like, those guys still have the – so it, it got me thinking, like, holy, what? Obed Vargas, a bunch of different things. All right, so this is what I went with, okay? Uh, first player – Producer, can I get Chris Richards? Come on down. Mm. Chris Richards is going to be one of your overage players for this Olympic team. Now, you need an experienced center back, but I still want a younger center back. I want a younger center back that can play the way that this team has been showing us they play. Building out of the back, very good in transition, defending, uh, long passes, vision, all that stuff. So Chris Richards will be the first one. Weston McKinney, I went down as well because Weston McKinney's a winner, and I want winners mm. on my team. And it's a guy that's a good two-way player that's going to get goals and assists, and he's a set pieces. He is a threat. Okay, a lot of a lot of that midfield has been said. Like honestly, that sixth position could be tricky, but Johnny Cardoso could be there. You could have somebody else emerge in that time. I think it could be well spent with Weston McKinney there, that experience. And then listen, if this is the Olympics. I want Captain America. I mm-hmm. want Christian Pulisic. Now, this is all theoretical, assuming everybody gets released, because we know how these things go. He could be on a team like Chelsea or Real Madrid or whatever the case may be, Juventus, and they can say, I'm not going to risk this player in a U23 tournament. Somehow, miraculously, all the Brazilian players get released, but other teams do not, okay? If this is the case, I want Christian Pulisic, I want Captain America, and I want him there with Giovanni Reina. I want him mm. there with Ricardo Pepe, Matthew Hoppe. I want him there with Eunice Musa. I want him there with Bella. I want him there with Richards. I want him there with, what's the name of this kid? Brandon Craig, the Philadelphia Union kid? Like, a center back taking set pieces? I was like, what? And then I saw him take a set piece. Okay, all right, I see you. Paxton Aronson. I want to mm. see him there with this type of player, Giovanni Reina. I am not into youth tournaments. I happen to look down upon them, especially because uh, a lot of my Mexican colleagues presume them so much. But this U23 mm-hmm. Olympic team that the U.S. can field? Ooh, I know. People are going to be expecting the podium in Paris. Mark my words. I'm with you on Pulisic. The Captain America has to be there. It's the Olympics. Huge platform. Weston McKinney's not a bad shout. I think one thing we learned about this team and it's not going to be just the team that we saw down uh, at the CONCACAF U20s. They're very technical. So a guy like Weston McKinney, some legs in there. You had a Eunice Musa, who's obviously age eligible. I would throw in, usually there's a goalie, right? I feel like always there's a goalie pick for the overage. Could I suggest, I think Zach Steffen's going to end up being the starter in Qatar. A guy like Matt Turner. I think he's an awesome ambassador. I think he's a guy who would definitely deserve one big tournament, at least as a starter. Good, good around, all, all around good guy. Uh, I'm not going to deny that. I, I Slanina. Slanina. I mean, he, I mean, right now he's on the verge of we're here in Chelsea. So give mm. him a few years. Like, I don't know. I, I just think you, you've got to give a player like that. If he already has that pedigree, give him the chance to prove himself at the international level. One of the names you mentioned for Paris, Aronson. Not Brendan Aronson. Paxton Aronson, who takes home both the golden boot and golden ball from this under 20 CONCACAF championship, Herc. People want to see him on the senior national team. Is he ready for all that? No, not yet. Relax. He's still trying to get into that, you know, Philly lineup for good and stay in that lineup for good. But man, he's an exciting player. Uh, Brendan, his brother, when we interviewed him in Football Americas, said that Paxton is the better player. (laughs) Paxton is the more technical player. All right, listen. Golden ball, golden boot. To my understanding, this is the first time an American's ever uh, received that U20 honor. He's only 18 years old, and there's a reason 
that we're hearing so much chatter about Europe and it's Red Bull Salzburg. He's following the footsteps of his brother. That's what I'm hearing. Man, Union Academy, but really the Aronson family. What are they doing? What is happening there that they just keep producing such good players? There he is, Paxton Aronson, another one to watch. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hector Herrera just made a big money move from Atletico Madrid to MLS, and he's with us now on the show. Hector, bienvenido. Un placer tenerte aquí con nosotros en Fútbol Américas. Muchas gracias. <laughs> All right, so as we do on this show, I'll ask the questions in English. Herc will spin them back in Spanish after Hector responds. I'll give you a quick translation. We'll move on to the next question. Herc, I guess a good place to start here is why. I want to know why Houston, but really I'm curious as to why now. Why in his career now, when Hector tells us he's kind of at his best moment, to make the move from Europe to MLS. Pregunta Sebastián, eh, no solamente por qué Houston, por qué Major League Soccer, pero por qué en este momento, cuando tú has dicho que estás en tu mejor momento de tu carrera. ¿Por qué Houston? Porque eh, creo que fue el equipo que, que me ha presentado el mejor proyecto, eh, el mejor futuro para mí, para mi familia. Eh, porque Estados Unidos, porque creo que la liga está creciendo muchísimo. Eh, están viniendo muchos jugadores de, de mucha calidad. Los equipos están creciendo mucho. Eh, porque creo que en este momento es cuando puedo ofrecer lo mejor de mí para el equipo, para la liga. Y no dentro de unos años, ¿no? Cuando a lo mejor no me pueda mover. Sí. <ríe> Interesting thoughts there from Hector. He says uh, the Dynamo were the team that really presented him the best project, not just footballing, but uh, for his future, for his family's future. As far as MLS, he says it's a league of growth. We've heard that a lot. Not just big players coming in, but quality players. And he says that right now is a time when he can offer his best. Perhaps in a few years, he might not be able to uh, move around quite as well. He's obviously joining Herc Dynamo from Atletico de Madrid. I wonder if we could look back on his time at Atleti. Obviously, he gets the league title. Kind of how he feels uh, about that era of his career. Que si nos puedes explicar un poco de tu tiempo en Atleti, obviamente el título de Liga, ¿cómo sentiste esa experiencia de tu vida en relación a, a lo que has vivido en otras partes? So, creo que fue, fue, fue muy, muy positivo ¿no? en, en cuanto a experiencias a lo mejor no vividas. ¿no? Por ejemplo, yo venía de de ser referente, capitán, jugar todos los partidos en el Oporto. Eh, eh, estaba acostumbrado a una cosa y llegar ahí y ver que, que no, no iba a tener a mejor el mismo protagonismo que tenía en Porto. Eh, el manejar esas situaciones, el estar fuerte mentalmente, me ayudó muchísimo eh, el crecer como jugador, el crecer como persona junto a, a, a compañeros de, de muchísima calidad. Eh, para mí creo que fue una experiencia súper bonita. A lo mejor no, no tuve 
o no jugué lo que yo esperaba, pero la verdad es que dentro del, del, del vestuario me sentía como si jugara y, y todos, la verdad que excelentes personas, más allá de que son unos caras como jugadores. Eh, creo que parte importante de lo, del éxito del Atlético de Madrid es el, el vestidor, ¿no? la unión que hay dentro del grupo, el buen, el buen rollo que hay. Y, y después eso se muestra en la cancha. ¿no? Fue una experiencia, la verdad que súper super bonita, que, que estoy muy, muy contento de poder haber vivido. Y obviamente cerrado con un título en la Liga Española que para mí es la mejor del mundo, pues mejor. He says overall it's a very positive experience uh, with Atletico, but for different reasons, right? Experiences maybe he hadn't had in the past. He was the captain at Porto. He didn't have the same role at Atleti, but to manage that mentally was a challenge, something that made him grow as a footballer as well as playing next to high quality players like he did there. He acknowledges he didn't play as much as expected, but he says within the locker room, he really felt good um, with the team. Very happy to have done the experience, and he especially points out that, that league title. Uh, Herc, up next, I wonder um, how much the fact that this is a World Cup year went into his decision to, to make the jump, to leave Atleti, to come to Houston, because uh, obviously we're only five months from World Cup, and the next few months are going to be critical uh, to his form heading into Qatar. Eh, bueno, la pregunta aquí es qué tan factor fue eh, el hecho de que es año mundialista en esta decisión a venir a Major League Soccer. Estamos a cinco meses del Mundial. Eh, estos próximos meses son eh, críticos eh, en tu formación a lo que es este próximo Mundial. Entonces, ¿qué tan factor fue eso para ti? Hacer movimiento de atlético, una liga como la Liga, a Major League Soccer. No, es verdad que... Eh... A nivel selección es lo más importante, ¿no? Nos preparamos durante cuatro años para, para el Mundial y, a ver, yo creo que en la, en la vida del jugador hay decisiones difíciles y, y creo que yo he tomado la mejor decisión para mí, para mi familia. Eh, Siempre lo dije, si me hubiese quedado en el Atlético de Madrid como los últimos meses que no jugaba tanto, la gente me dice, ¿por qué te quedaste en el Atlético de Madrid si no juegas y vas a llegar con poco ritmo al, al Mundial? ¿no? Aquí es un nuevo equipo, tengo la oportunidad de competir por un lugar, de poder eh, llegar con mejor ritmo al, al, al Mundial. Faltan pocos meses, tampoco es que va a afectar mucho si juego mucho, si juego poco... Eh, lo, creo que lo más importante es llegar con, con buen ritmo pero creo que he tomado la, la decisión para mi futuro para mi familia y ha sido creo que la mejor decisión So it says at the national team level you prep you know four years for the World Cup in a player's career uh, there's tough decisions he said uh, this was the best decision for him and his family and look he says if he would have stayed and he wouldn't have been playing people would have criticized him there like why did you stay in a world cup year uh, if you're not going to get minutes he says the most important things to arrive at the world cup uh, in a good rhythm he doesn't think a few months uh, will really affect that uh, i wonder what he might say to the critics because we know every time a mexican player comes back uh to liga mx mls chicharito carlos vela they, they seem to get criticized especially by the mexican press <clears throat> does he have a response um her for, for what those critics might say ¿Qué le puedes decir a los críticos, a, a tal vez eh, la prensa o esa gente allá afuera que dice eh, que llegas a una liga menor o, o que siempre es un futbolista cuando va de, de, 
la selección mexicana, una liga prominente en lo que es Europa, a Major League Soccer, como Javier Hernández, Carlos Vela, siempre hay esas críticas. ¿Qué le puedes decir a la gente? ¿Cómo respondes eso? Ay, creo que la, la crítica va, va a haber siempre, ¿no? Eh, nosotros, tú fuiste jugador, sabes que estamos expuestos a, a críticas, así estés en, en tu mejor momento, estés haciendo goles, te van a criticar porque fallaste una o, y la otra, ¿no? O cosas así. Eh, ¿Qué le puede decir? Que uno como jugador toma sus decisiones por lo que lo dije, ¿no? Por tu futuro, por, porque crees que es lo mejor para ti, para tu familia. Eh, la gente está en su, su derecho de, de criticar. Y yo creo que no hay nada a decir, ¿no? Eh, es estar tran tranquilo contigo mismo con las cosas que hagas para ti, para tu familia. Y, y el resto, eh, tomar lo bueno y, tomar, y dejar pasar lo malo, ¿no? Mm. And there you hear at the end, uh, take the good, let the bad go. He says, criticism comes with the job. It's always there. As a player, you've got to take the decisions that are best for you, your family, and your future. Uh, nada que decir. Nothing to say. I think that all says it. So we heard a little bit about why Houston. What about the, the how Houston won him over? Because I was reading today in The Athletic, something hurt about a, a big bottle of wine. Dice que la pregunta aquí es, ok, nos has dicho eh, el por qué Houston, pero ¿cómo es que te ganó Houston? Eh, leímos un reportaje de The Athletic que estabas con el gerente en tu casa y sacaron una botella de vino, platicaron bien del proyecto. Dinos el por qué, ¿cómo llegó eh, este proceso con Houston? A ver, yo creo que fue mi, mi representante el primero que, que empezó a hablar con ellos. Eh, eh, yo tenía otras opciones de, de venir a, a MLS, opciones en Europa. Eh, la opción número uno era, era Atlético. Eh, ¿Por qué Houston? Porque todo lo que me han hecho, todo lo que me han hecho sentir desde que llegué, ellos me lo prometieron. Eh, porque me hace mucha ilusión que, que ellos quieran ser un equipo... Eh, importante, competitivo, que quiera ganar cosas. Eh, yo se los dejé claro que yo quería venir, pero quería venir a, a ganar, no quería venir a, a, ser, a no ser un equipo protagonista. Y ellos eh, creo que tienen la, la misma visión, la misma, el mismo foco que, que yo tengo, ¿no? Entonces creo que eso fue... Eh, muy importante, yo lo dije el otro día cuando conocí a Pat el ver la buena persona que es eh, lo que transmitió de lo que quería el dueño, lo que quería Paulo la gente que está detrás de él eh, yo siempre lo he dicho que para mí lo más importante es la sinceridad el, el, el ser honesto el ser, el ser frontal en lo, que, en lo que quieres, en lo que te transmitan y ellos me mostraron muchísimo. Él vino, vino a Madrid, se quedó una semana en Madrid. Estuvimos reunidos una o dos veces y, y para mí creo que eso fue, fue suficiente, ¿no? El conocer el tipo de persona que había en el equipo. Eh, eso era, sabía que estaba llegando a un equipo familiar que, que va a ser todo, todo honesto y todo, y todo transparente. 
Hector tells us uh, it was his agent that actually had the first contact with Houston. He had other options, and not just in Europe, but he says also in MLS. And initially, his number one option was to stay at Atleti. But he said uh, Houston really delivered on their promises. He made it clear to them he wants to win, and they seem to share that same vision. He didn't want to come to a team that was going to be an afterthought. And he really points out Pat Onstad uh, and his sincerity is kind of a key part of this deal. Uh, he is the captain, Herc, of the Mexican national team. Let's get into that. Uh, I wonder kind of how he feels about the state of the team here. We are only five months to the World Cup. Qualifying is in the bag, ticket punch. How does he feel about the, where the team is right now? Héctor, eres el capitán de la selección mexicana. Eh, danos tus pensamientos del estado de la selección mexicana hoy en día a cinco meses del Mundial. ¿Qué ves? ¿Cómo se sienten? Eh, soy parte del grupo de los capitanes. El número es, es Andrés. Eh, eh, yo creo que la selección, el Tata Martino, todos estamos, estamos conscientes de, de lo, lo que viene por delante para nosotros. Eh, por eso lo, lo dije anteriormente, la, la idea o el, o el mayor pensamiento de nosotros es poder llegar de mejor, con mejor ritmo, en mejor momento al Mundial, para así poder hacer un, un excelente Mundial, ¿no? Eh, el objetivo es ese, la forma de jugar eh, está clara, tenemos cuatro años jugando con el Tata, Pueden salir mejor las cosas o peor, pero creo que la idea es clarísima. Dependerá del momento que llegue cada jugador para que en conjunto podamos hacer un, un gran papel. So he correct me, first of all, he said he is not the captain. He's one of the captains uh, of the Mexican national team, but very conscious of kind of uh, what's ahead. He said before, the biggest focus right now is to get there uh, playing better so they can make a good World Cup. He says they've been under Tata for four years. So the ideas are very clear. Now it depends on each player kind of taking advantage of the next few months and getting to the World Cup in a good moment. Uh, he's one of the few players in Mexico that we can ask this next question to just about making that jump, you know, and at a relatively young age from Mexico to Europe. We see it uh, in a lot of examples, or maybe uh, we don't see it in enough examples, Herc, but I'm also thinking of a guy like Marcelo Flores, uh, who is in that like young player who's up and coming and kind of how we judge that process. I wonder what he thinks of all that. Sé que, bueno, Héctor, eres de los pocos futbolistas que se ha ido a Europa a una, perdón, una edad eh, joven eh, y tienes ex esa experiencia en Europa ya eh, por mucho tiempo con selección y con lo que es tu club. ¿Qué, ¿Cómo ves jugadores de repente como Marcelo Flores? ¿Cómo puedes medir ese proceso eh, en lo que ves de Marcelo y, y ese tiempo que tiene él, eh, no solamente en Europa, pero con la selección mexicana? A ver, creo que, que son jugadores que... Eh que tienen mucho futuro ¿no? por delante y que, que si trabajan, que si siguen haciendo las cosas bien, van a poder ser referentes en la, en la selección mexicana. ¿no? Por algo está en el Arsenal, por algo está siendo convocado en la, en la selección mayor, siendo tan joven. ¿no? Eh, yo creo que jugadores como Marcelo y, y otros que vienen por detrás tienen, tienen muchísimo talento y muchísimo futuro, entonces creo que tienen que tener una oportunidad en el fútbol europeo para que así el nivel del fútbol mexicano de la selección siga creciendo ¿no? si te das cuenta hoy en día tenemos muy pocos mexicanos en Europa eh, y muy, muy pocos, y la mayoría de ellos son, son grandes, no son jóvenes ¿no? creo que eh, debemos de enfocarnos más en, en sacar jugadores mexicanos a, a, 
hacia, hacia Europa, pero jóvenes que puedan darle o que, que son el futuro de la selección o ¿no? del fútbol mexicano. Y un claro ejemplo son Marcelo, Diego, Vega, eh, Charlie, Sebas, todos estos jugadores que vienen, que vienen atrás con, con un muy buen futuro, pero bueno, creo que tienen que trabajar muy fuerte porque para poder conseguir ese objetivo, ¿no? ser los referentes eh, en el futuro de la selección. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. So he says there's lots of young players with promise. Uh, there'll be stars in the Mexican national team soon for a guy like Marcelo Flores. That's why he's on Arsenal. That's why he's getting, getting called in uh, at such a young age. He says there's lots of players uh, with talent, but they need the opportunities to go to Europe. Um, and that'll help not just the players, but the Mexican national team as well. He points out there's very few Mexicans in Europe today, and the ones that are there are really veterans. So he thinks there should be a focus on getting uh, more exports from Mexico out of Europe. All right, we only have time for one last question. I got to get to the, the real root of what's important here. You guys used to be teammates, okay, at Pachuca, Hercules. I need you to get me a, a good story from your time together, uh, jugando juntos en Pachuca. A ver, what can you get out of Hector? I want to know what you were like. I want to know what you were like as a teammate. Have <laughs> to spill some dirt. Sebastián Salazar, mi co-conductor, aquí quiere saber eh, tu tiempo como compañero mío en Pachuca. ¿Qué, qué te acuerdas de mí, de, de Pachuca? Es lo que quiere, quiere sacar algo. Me quiere algo, matar. A ver, a ver, algo interesante. Me quiere matar, interesante. Todo, todo lo que puedas sacar es bueno. Eh, Personalmente eh, estoy muy agradecido con, con Hércules porque cuando, cuando él estuvo en Pachuca yo era muy joven, no había debutado ni nada y él siempre era de, el, del típico no veterano pero de los jugadores grandes que era buena onda con los, con los jóvenes. Eh, él ya jugaba para la selección, era un jugador importante en el club eh, el, el pierna de tubo le decíamos nosotros <risa> se pasaba chutando desde media cancha al gol eh, la verdad que, que yo personalmente estoy muy agradecido con él porque me ayudó muchísimo cuando, cuando estuve ahí cuando viajamos, cuando viajamos a, al mundial de clubes eh, no tengo no tengo palabras más que agradecimiento y y cosas buenas para decir de, de él. There you go, Sammy, take that. Uh, puro, puro PR ahí, puro PR. Uh, he says that uh, when, when they were both at Pachuca, Hector still hadn't made his debut. You know, Herc was a veteran uh, who was really, really good to the younger players. I don't know, we'll have to look into that. He said he was big time already on the national team. Herc, what was the nickname there that they gave you? Uh, iron leg, pierna de tubo. That is like a, 
It's like saying you hit the ball hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but personally, he says you helped him a lot, especially traveling to the Club World Cup. He says he only has words of thanks. So maybe uh, in, down the road, we'll, we'll get a little dirt on, on Hercules Gomez. Hector, muchísimas gracias. Buena suerte en Houston. Muchas gracias. Tiempo. Un abrazo, hermano. Te abrazo. Saludos. Abrazo a la familia. Ciao. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Uh, old friends reunited here on Football Americas. The big question is Hector Herrera, the answer to Houston's problems. There we see uh, where they rank and some of the big stats across Major League Soccer. All right, Herc, we had Achache for, what, about 15 minutes there. Any big takeaways? Well, how are you going to remember me, Seb, when somebody asks you, like, down the road? <laughs> <laughs> I will say he was well-intentioned. Semi-intelligent, some might say. <laughs> ah, ah, the payback. People don't know that, what that's about, yeah. but uh, Check that's the YouTube you being channel. an idea. Yeah, all right. No, obviously, listen, you know, um, knowing Hector Herrera, He's always a positive character, uh, very, very mentally strong, uh, thinking things will go well, wanting to do well. But it's interesting seeing him in this stage of his career, talking about Europe and how maybe Atletico didn't get the best out of him. Maybe he didn't give him the best because he wasn't on the field as much, but very proud of what he did with Porto. And talking about, and I'm not sure he's seen Houston play over the years, but wanting to win. That, to me, was massive, and that goes, it should speak very highly of Houston GM Pat Onstad, of convincing them that Houston could be a team that is going to be built to win. The, the most surprising thing I heard was when he kind of acknowledged that his number one option was staying at Atleti, yeah. which, to your point about Pat Onstad, I think, hey, we got to give the Houston Dynamo and that front office, that ownership, a lot of credit, because if this is a player who was leaning Atleti, they closed that gap and then eventually got him to sign. So I think they get a lot of credit that there. That bottle of wine. That bottle of wine. As reported in The Athletic, let's give credit where it's due. It was uh, Paul Tenori there. By the way, we have an extended version of our chat with Hector Herrera. It'll be in the podcast. So download the podcast. Of course, that available over in the, uh, on the website at the uh, ESPN FC feed. Hector Herrera's debut. When's it going to be? This weekend. You don't have to wait long. Saturday, Houston against FC Dallas. What a time to debut. The Texas Derby, El Capitan on the line, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN+. Plus. Do not miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Elsewhere in MLS, the good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend. Now, I thought the good was going to be Tati Castellanos hitting 50. So this is not a Sebi forcing this into the rundown. Oh, DC on. United <laughs> scored five times, or count them five times in a 5-3 win 
over Orlando. Our new DP, Taxi Fontas, yeah, he got a hat trick. Okay, uh, it's not the amount of goals. It's that they snapped a six-game winless streak in league play. That's the important thing here. Their customers, they're, they're frequent, frequent flyers of the good, the bad, and the ugly. They're just on the latter part. But now DC United, congrats to them. By the way, the producer and I were actually watching this game. We thought Orlando was going to come back and pull it off. Of course you did. Of course you did. I'm <clears throat> sure you were just waiting for it, smiling, hoping for my heartbreak. Oh, come on. I should note, uh, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, DC United is still uh, tied for last in the Eastern Conference. But, Herc, guess what? Huh? Games in hand, baby. Games That's in right. hand. <laughs> Call yourself a taxi. You can be playoff bound. Dude, nine goals and three assists for taxi in ten games. The bad, Toronto. Oh, well, they lost to an undermanned Seattle. That's that's part of the bad. Uh, but the really bad is after the game, Carlos Salcedo was tweeting about this play, Herc. He's incredulous that he got a yellow card. Uh, what do you think? I'm going to look that word up. Um, but I don't think this was a yellow card. I think he got all ball. I actually am with him. But... I may be in the minority here because he put out a survey and the responses were pretty funny. Yeah, Raul Jimenez there, you can see, uh, yeah, straight red, no doubt they translated that from Spanish. Uh, great stuff, of course. All of this is kind of wrapped around a bigger story, which is Salcedo's status and his future at Toronto. Bob Bradley talked about it after this game. Let's hear what the head coach had to say. Well, with Carlos back in the 11, uh, is that the assumption that everything's okay with his personal life? Uh. Yeah, look, I'm not going to speak about the details. Um, I mentioned that, you know, on the family side, um, he has had some concerns with family health. Okay, I, that's, that's, all, that's all I want to say. And that has, um, we, we've given him uh, then the chance to make sure that things are right at home and that's hard. You know, it's hard when there's that going on and uh, Carlos is a family man. And so, you know, uh, I've said we, we support him in those ways. Okay, Herc, we got reports, multiple reports that TFC are shopping Salcedo, not just around MLS, around Liga Mekis as well. How do you think this plays out? I think Salcedo leaves. I think Bob Bradley's got just a, a moral code about him. Like he's incapable of trying to mince words or, or trying to be gray. Mm -hmm. It's very black or white with them. And you can tell right there it's a personal issue that Carlos Salcedo has at home. Now, when it comes to family, when it comes to kids, when it comes to their health or somebody in your family's health, you do what you have to do for them. And this seems like a situation where maybe the soccer part from the beginning just didn't fit. And maybe they're realizing that, or maybe it's he's not happy or he's preoccupied mentally with other things going on in his family life. But this is coming to a head, and he's going to be no short of suitors, uh, whether it's Major League Soccer or Liga MX. So Where's I think, the bigger market for him, you think? Liga MX. Okay. Yeah, I think okay. sooner rather than later, we're going to see an exit towards Liga MX. Carlos Salcedo, man, he's just 28 years old, right? He's been through so much in his career. It's like, it's like, wow, but he is only 28. Yeah. It feels like for a center back especially, there should still be a time to turn it around. Let's keep talking about Toronto FC here because they've been very, very busy. Have you been following Twitter for the, like, I don't know, the last, what, 45 minutes, couple hours? Yeah. 
Uh, let's start with the breaking news from Fabrizio Romano. Uh, he tweeted that Toronto was trading Alejandro Pozuelo, of course, their designated player, to enter Miami. TFC in return would be getting $150,000 of allocation money. That was reported by our Jeff Carlisle. Shortly after those two things were reported, Taylor Twelman tweeted that TFC were going to sign 28-year-old Federico Bernardeschi on a free transfer from Juventus. Of course, uh, Bernardeschi, a European champion with Italy as of last summer. Herc, what do you think of all this? And does it finally make TFC a real MLS Cup contender down the stretch if they get Bernardeschi? Come on. Six months Come on, jump on the bandwagon. The Alejandro Pozuelo contract. And Interpol's what I think is a fabulous move for a MLS-proven player with still a lot to offer for 150 and funny money. I think that's Chris Henderson doing some Garth Lagerway uh, mm-hmm. stuff right there, thinking next level. Good on them. Bernadeschi is an interesting player because he's only 28 years old, uh, European champion with Italy. He gets called up all the time. But maybe his most productive years were 2016, 2017, around there. Uh, when he had double-digit goals for Fiorentina at Juve. He's not really had over four goals or close to that in quite some time. In fact, Weston McKinney was more productive on the goal front and assist front than Bernadeschi for the amount of time that they uh, spent together. So it's an interesting move, but maybe a drop in level will give this man the form that he desperately needs. Uh, that will help TFC. And listen, if there's one thing I've learned about Bob, excuse me, Bob Bradley is he's not shy when it comes to pulling the trigger and making moves. It doesn't matter if you're winning, he will make a move. Now, TFC is not winning, so you're damn well sure he's going to make moves. He did an LAFC with players like Aron Simon, who scored the first goal in their franchise history, was their captain. He got shipped off. You look at players uh, like Tyler Miller, who holds every statistical uh, I mean, record that the goalkeeper can hold at LAFC, he's gone. You look at other players like West, I'm sorry, uh, Walker Zimmerman, who was a Defender of the Year winner, he's gone. So he's not going to be shy about trying to move players on to get what he wants. This is more of that. And TFC is in a rebuilding year, or I should say stage. Wait a second. Do you remember at the beginning of the season when you got mad at me because I made different MLS Cup champion picks on different shows? One of those picks was Toronto FC. Yeah. Bernardeschi and Senior, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, in, in MLS, you don't need much to sneak into the playoffs. You want to double down on that? The playoffs, you want to double down out. on that? Uh, can I buy another month or so before <laughs> I throw down on that one? <laughs> All right, uh, enough trade talk, transfer talk. Let's move to the ugly because there is something very ugly, something that is very much brewing here between MLS and the Seattle Sounders. MLS has report- reportedly rejected the Sounders' request to wear their CONCACAF Champions League winner's patch for the rest of the season. Uh, our friends over at Sounder at Heart have done some digging. They couldn't get a clear answer out of MLS. And Hercules Gomez is among many who are big mad about this, Herc. What say you? This is stupid. This is ridiculous. This is MLS doing more of what they do. In your miserable history in the CONCACAF <laughs> Champions League, you've never won this competition. Mm. You've been the little brother to Liga Amekis for the entirety of this competition, this format. And finally... Finally, you get a team who wins it, and what are you going to do instead of showcasing, instead of celebrating? You're going to limit them, and why? Nobody knows. They don't know, I don't know, we don't know, because you won't tell them. But in your history, you've done some stupid, ridiculous things like singular stars, 
like the elimination of those championship stars on these jerseys, like saying the MLS Cup winner for the next year will play with a silver ball. But God forbid that Seattle wants to put a patch on their jersey and wear it every single game to remind people that the champions of North America, of CONCACAF, are the Seattle Sounders. You're going to sit here and say, nope, sorry, can't do. But what's worse, won't say why. Just have to accept it. Nah. It's literally the thing the league has been chasing for the last decade. And now that they have it, you're not going to let the team celebrate it? Well, they are going to let them celebrate it once. And you know who they're going to wear it against, Herc? Portland Timbers. Mmm, that hurts. That, folks, that's how you build rivalry. Speaking of rivalry, did you know it's rivalry week across MLS, Herc? Ooh, we got some tasty matchups coming up for the folks at home. Friday night, especially in the Eastern Conference, you got Philly, who's putting together another ho-hum, quiet season, just second place in the standings. Don't look now. Against, yes, my beloved DC United down there in 13. That kicks off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. It's a kind of a rivalry. Really, DC and New York Red Bulls more of a rivalry for me, but I'm old. Uh, and then El Tráfico, Friday, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Who knows who's going to de gonna debut LAFC against the LA Galaxy on ESPN, ESPN Deportes. Herc, you calling this one or what? Yes, sir. I'll be there. Yes, Actually, three-man booth. You're going to see me there with Alejandro Pareja and uh, our good man Richard Mendez. What a moment. A three-man booth fitting of El Tráfico. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, to the CONCACAF W Championships down in Monterey. U.S. Women's National Team taking on Haiti. Alex Morgan getting the breakthrough early on. Herc, you love that finish. I do love that finish. That is a very sneaky, very intuitive finish, and this is uh, even better for me. Look at that. Boom. <laughs> I thought she was slowing down at the national team level. Mm -mm. Seven minutes after scoring the first one, Alex Morgan adds a second, and just like that, the U.S. would have been a little bit vulnerable in that first half. We're in control of the game. Speaking of the vulnerability, here's a play. Emily Fox called for the penalty, and Haiti will get an opportunity from the spot. No doubt about that, right, Hurt? Ah, last ditch defending, can't do that, but oh no. Mm. Rose Borgella from the spot slams it off the post. Haiti missing a golden opportunity. Yeah, everything could have changed there. Off the post, misses it, but got a second bite of the apple, just couldn't get the correct touch. Oh, I got to get your opinion on this. Late first half, Borgelas, by the way, the same player who missed the penalty, goes into Kelly O'Hara here and gets a red card. But wait a second, her. VAR is going to say, you know what, why don't you check that out? And after a review, it's a yellow. What? Yeah, the fact that VAR came in here and then the referee herself went and checked and said, yeah, don't worry about being raked across the side of the body. It wasn't enough for me is uh, very interesting. Late in the second half, the U.S. finally gets their third. It comes from Midge Purse. Yeah, Midge Purse with tons of time here. She really, like, look at this. She gets a chance to get herself right, take a touch, and then finish it. Purse, the Silver Spring, Maryland native, with third goal as the U.S. wins. All right, Herc, let's get into our big takeaways from this match. I'll go first here. Um, because I, was, I will be honest, and I can't really believe I'm going to say this. My biggest concern coming into this tournament was the U.S. attack. 
Right. And I know that sounds crazy. You got Mallory Pugh, Sophia Smith, Alex Morgan. You're starting front three. They're the top three scores in the NWSL. But I feel like, and I mentioned this on the U.S. broadcast the other day, there's a, there is a little bit of a pattern. that They weren't clinical against Colombia, at least in stretches. There's Czech Republic in the She Believes Cup where they get shut out. They get shut out against South Korea last fall on a friendly, and that's not even mentioning three out of six shutouts at the Olympics, okay? And yet for all of that, the player that solves all of those problems in 20 minutes is Alex Morgan. I'll remind you, Herc, remember when we had the debate when Katarina Macario was still healthy about who should be the number nine? You said Macario, and fair. I said Alex Morgan because you know you can trust her in those situations. She proved that. Dude, I come out of this game really worried about the U.S. defense. This Haiti team is ranked 60th in the world. Say what you will about the FIFA rankings. They really hurt, really hurt the United States. They should have scored on that penalty. They could have scored on a set piece. They could have scored on another one-on-one. This team was very, very dangerous. And the U.S. will get away with it here in CONCACAF. But they, I don't think, will get away with it next summer at the World Cup when it really matters. So this is a big concern for me, especially because the, the areas, area of most concern is the one area you don't want, and that's the center of defense. Becky Sauerbrunn and Alana Cook, that pairing just didn't seem to have chemistry. The, the response, and this is where I want your players' perspective, it's the first game of the tournament, right? So we should, we should allow the expectation to be that they'll build into this? It should be that they should build into it, but shaky, vulnerable defense was nowhere near my list of worries heading into this tournament. I mean, the worries were generation of goals, quality chances, was the nines, who will be the nine? Who will put the ball in the back of the net? Can they produce goals? Can they be that dominant team that you've always seen in this region? And now we're talking about shaky, vulnerable defense. Uh, We're talking about getting players, letting players in behind them, last-ditch efforts, silly mistakes like the penalty kick, Uh, a penalty kick that wasn't made. But if it goes in, how that can change the complexion of the game and how a young team can respond to that, a lot more questions and answers right now. Yeah, absolutely. Next game for the U.S. will be against Jamaica. In case you missed it from this one, though, cool moment after the match with Alex Morgan. You know, we usually have a, a segment on the show we have in the past. Jersey swap or not. Morgan swapping here with the uh, the Haitian player. I think every time I see like the jersey swap after a game, I always think like the, the reverence that other women's national team players have for the U.S. women. You always see it here. Remember even in the World Cup when the U.S. beat Thailand about 13-0? Uh, we still saw people trying to get jerseys off these players. Yeah, I, I could only speak to what I've experienced as a player, but it's like when you play against Messi, you play against Cristiano, like, can I get your jersey? <laughs> I'm going to swap jerseys with Cristiano Ronaldo right now. I'm going to swap jerseys with Ronaldinho right now. That's what Alex Morgan is. That's what Megan Rapinoe, that's what these players are to the rest of the players in the world. You mentioned Megan Rapinoe. Have you seen that she's in the news? Uh, and not necessarily for soccer. She will be presented, her with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I did not, I did not misspeak there as I usually do. The Presidential <laughs> Medal of Freedom is the nation's highest civilian honor. She's going to get it Thursday at the White House, directly from the president, Joe Biden. She's going to be the first soccer player to receive the honor, and she's one of 17 uh, people, Herc, who will get the honor on Thursday. Among them, Simone Biles, Denzel Washington. So you get an idea just how big a deal this is. I mean, look at the notable athletes who have been honored. Those are some huge names in the sport. And Megan Rapinoe is going to be there representing U.S. soccer, representing all soccer across the land here in the United States. That, that, that's insane. Yep. Now, Herc, as a result of this, of course, she'll be at the White House in Washington, D.C. on the 7th, means she won't be in Monterrey 
for the U.S. game against Jamaica. Obviously a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, you figure, but it's also a huge World Cup and Olympic qualifier. Are you cool with it? Yeah, I'm cool. There, there are some things that transcend sport. I mean, what Megan Rapinoe is today, and you've mentioned it about Megan Rapinoe, what she means to the younger players in the U.S. women's national team. Well, think about what she means to just people in the United States or mm. the political activist that she is, what she's done for equality and, and women's rights. Uh, Forget about the sport. Just think about that for a second. There are things that transcend sports. I'm okay with her missing a game versus Jamaica. She'll be there after. I think they'll be fine without her. They can manage for a second. But this is a huge honor. You're cool with it. Vlatko Anonofsky came out and said, you know, he's cool with it. Hey, you, you gotta go when the White House calls. Can I tell you what? I'm not cool with it. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm not mad at Megan Rapinoe. I'm not mad at Megan Rapinoe. Well, you I'm mad, mad at, at the Joe White Biden? House. I'm, <laughs> I'm mad at the White House. Yes. Yes, you, you could give this honor to Megan Rapinoe any day this year, or really any year, right? It's a, it's a lifetime award. It, it doesn't have to be now. Let me ask this. If it was a pro baseball player, if this was an NFL player, would they expect them to come to a, in a playoff game? Would they expect them to miss that? Do you oh, think? Hold on, but you're thinking sports. I mean, did you say Denzel? Sorry, Denzel. Megan Rapino can't show up that day. So guess what? Not that day, Denzel. Sorry. I mean, you got to accommodate saying. so many different player people. Uh, and if this wasn't, is this is a non-issue for the player herself, the recipient mm -hmm. of the award, Megan mm -hmm. Rapino, for the federation because we've not heard anything from Sidney Barlow Cohen, and for Vlaco, if it's a non-issue for them. Sebi Salazar's mad at the White House. <laughs> I'm mad at the White House. As a DC resident, I'm sure yeah. uh, I'm sure I have plenty more to uh, to yell up, yell about in the coming days. But congratulations to Megan Rapinoe. It is a, yes. a great honor. She'll be missed, uh, of course, Thursday against Jamaica. Speaking of Jamaica, Herc, they played Mexico in the nightcap at El Volcan. Huge game in Group A, and Jamaica off to a fast start. Bunny Shaw in the eighth minute. Oh, Bunny Shaw. Julie Foudy warned us about Bunny Shaw. She did, and there she is. Mexico had their chances, Herc. This is probably the best one Ordonez had her off the post. I don't know how Ordonez couldn't get that on frame to go in, and then right here, oh, it's a huge save. Huge save. Mexico really, really starting to pour forward, creating opportunity after opportunity, but when the goalie for Jamaica wasn't making the big saves, the defenders in front of her were. Yeah, uh-oh, uh-oh, Montero. Havana Salon with a chance to make it 2-0 Jamaica, and skies it. So a little home field advantage there, maybe helping Mexico momentarily stay in it. Another chance for Jamaica here to really put things on ice. Jody Brown can't finish, pushes it wide, and Mexico down 1-0, still alive. Into the second half, probably one of their best chances, but really the, the opportunities, the finishing was nowhere to be found, Her uh, Jamaica, same could be said about them. Bunny Shaw, for sure the second, oh. no. Mexico saved by the post, but only saved so much. 82nd minute, Mexico pumping the ball into the box. Corner kick here, Ovalle, well-driven ball, and that header up and over the bar, the last of the good chances for Mexico as they fall in the first game, one nothing against Jamaica. All right, Herc, time for calm, or is it time for an alarm, specifically a fracaso alarm? Alarm. Uh, Monica Vergara has some explaining to do. Mm. Uh, Montero Bernal, the two center back pairings, the pairing, have never played together, decides to experiment in this game. 
you've got players like Licha Cervantes, probably your best goal scorer, Katy Martinez, who don't start the game. Katy Martinez doesn't even enter the game. Licha Cervantes comes on with like 20 to go. Uh, it's a case where you lose your first game ever on Mexican soil to the Jamaican national team. Quite frankly, you talk about the missed chances for Mexico. Jamaica just had yeah. as many, if not more, quality chances. They underestimated Jamaica. And for underestimating Jamaica, you lose the first game. Now you are behind the eight ball with Haiti and the U.S. Women's National Team up next. In what you were supposed to be one of the favorites to advance. And now, that's all in jeopardy. You said they didn't use Katy Killer. We've also been talking about Charlene Corral a lot on this show. She's not on that list. And remember what we said, if they failed to qualify, leaving Corral out would come back to Hunt Vergara, the manager. It's interesting, her, because I watched this game and I felt like there was a Mexico team under pressure. And I was thinking, you know, why? It's pressure of their own making, her. Vergara came out and said two days before the tournament, you're going to see a Mexico like you've never seen before. Clearly, this team wasn't up for it. They were disappointing. You know what else was really disappointing, her? And I have to point this out. The attendance at El Volcan. For all that we've seen, that city support Tigres, mm -hmm. the women's team. You know what the attendance was last night? 5,300-something. And, Herc, that's what they announced. That's what they announced. Yeah. That's nothing. How do we explain that? No, you can't explain that because we've been hearing how great Monterrey is, and we're going to see crowds of 40,000-plus. Mm. I know it's a weakened opponent on paper. Maybe they were expecting that for the U.S. women's national team versus them. But this is still an opponent. It's still your home team. This is still home soil. And it's specifically put in Monterrey because they wanted to showcase what Rayadas, what Tigres Femenin, what they've done, how good they've been, the support that they've had. But that's not translated at the international level. Yeah. Any way you slice it, it's a catastrophic result. And, and listen here. Watch out for Haiti. Haiti can beat Mexico the way that, that Mexico played last night and the way that Haiti played last night. And if they do, Mexico could be looking at missing out on the World Cup entirely. Remember, the top two get an automatic spot at the next World Cup. Third place in these groups goes to the Intercontinental Playoff, which will not be easy. But fourth place means you are done. Could you imagine a fracasote if Mexico at home were to go out in this tournament? Still time to turn it around. Herc, what a weekend to start the Liga Mekis campaign. America, Pumas, and Chivas all tied. America against Atlas, Pumas against Cholos, Chivas against Bravos. Other big results, Cruz Azul, 3-2 winners over your beloved Tigres. And uh, how about the comeback from Santos, 4-3 against Rayados. Did I, did I miss any, any other big results there? We like the one. Rayado scores three games on the, three goals on the road, and they choke it away. Santos Laguna. That's what they are strong, El TSM, and you don't lose to Rayados. You don't lose to Rayados. They know that. Yes. Uh, Rogelio Funes Mori at least uh, back on the score sheet. I knew you were going to love that result. Not only is it a Santos comeback, it's Rayados, who you have been saying are heading for trouble, struggling right from the get-go. I mentioned Chivas, uh, so let's talk a little bit about Chivas, because as we know, Herc, they are in the market for a number nine. Horrible news. You guys talked about it last week on the show with Mao. JJ Macias out for the season with a torn ACL. So that means Chivas is looking for replacements. Where are they looking? Club America? That's right. Chivas reportedly want Henry Martin. Herc, let's start at this from a very basic level. Are you cool with it? The idea that Chivas would be doing business with their arch rival, Club America. Yeah, I I'm cool with it. Listen. Oh, it is. 
Times have changed, okay? <laughs> and it's also the type of player that you're negotiating for. You're not negotiating for uh, one of the best players in America's existence, or America's not negotiating with An one of the idol, best. Right. Yes. It's not Cuauhtémoc Blanco that Chivas is looking for. It's Henry Martin, who, who has a, a player. Martinez, number 202, youth player, 20 years of age, was ahead of Federico Viñas, was ahead of him and Federico Viñas this weekend. So he's not going to play. Tan Ortiz doesn't want him there. This isn't a player who, who's scoring a plethora of goals per season. I think his average is around three or four a mm -hmm. season. It's not that great. So, yes, I've got no issue with this. This is more a symptom of the realistic market that Chivas has right. out for them and that they have afforded to them. So it's, yeah, it sounds like there's a certain level where you would not be cool with, with this happening, a certain level of player, it's just that Henry Martin is not, is not quite that level of player, and I, and I would agree with you there. I think there's, you know, as, as much risk, I don't know where the risk really is for Chivas here, they need a number nine. Right. It's, it's a limited talent pool, as you say. Uh, here's a guy who's a national teamer, if nothing else. I think the risk here is more for America, right? If, if Henry Martin goes, and he starts scoring goals, and Cabecita doesn't, those are maybe two big ifs, you let the wrong guy go, right? And you let him go to a rival. I think the risk is much more with America. Maybe I'm seeing that through I, my Well, see, it's funny because you say America, I say Henry Martin, because America, they've got a youth player starting over Federico Viñas and Henry Martin. And when that youth player came out, number 202, by the way, when he came out, it was Federico Viñas who went in. And then you have Cabecita Rodriguez, who's probably going to play as a nine anyways. So he's really down that depth chart. Now, the risk for me is Henry Martin because you go from a team that's, let's face it, used to fighting for something, used to... Ah, but he's got to play. He wants minutes ahead of the World Cup, no? I mean... You just said he's not going to play at America. What, you know, what happens, if, what happens if he's playing and he's not scoring goals at Chivas? Do you think that's still going to be the case for him to get called up for the Mexican national team? I don't know. What's... Right, pick between two evils, not playing and not scoring at America or playing and not scoring at Chivas. No, I don't no, know. no, no, yeah. no. When, he, when he, he does play a little, he gets his occasional goal with America. So I'm just saying, for him, he goes from World Cup, but also not fighting for something if you go to Chivas. Chivas is a perennial team that circles around the eighth, ninth place in, in Liga MX. Uh, they're not a team that constantly fights for titles. Hey, real quick, Herc, uh, let's give some options for what Chivas might be able to do beyond Henry Martin, although we will include him as well. What about Brandon Vasquez Ooh, of FC Cincinnati? I like that one. Uh, Eduardo Aguirre of Santos. Both those players uh, have been linked to Chivas. Herc, of those three, who are you taking? Let me go by process elimination, okay? Uh, Henry Martin, you've got the baggage of an America player, and he's probably going to cost you a pretty penny. Which you just said didn't matter. Hold on, hold on. There are some fans who that might matter, too. And he's also going to cost you a pretty penny in the transfer and salary, okay? Plus, he's also not the huge, most biggest guarantee when it comes to scoring goals. You've got uh, Eduardo Aguirre, El Mudo Aguirre, who happens to be a very good player, undervalued player, but he's not that constant goal scorer and also reminds people a lot of Ronaldo Cisneros, who came from Santos to Chivas uh, and didn't really explode, didn't translate, who's in Atlanta right now. Uh, it's Brandon Vasquez, if you think about this. Brandon Vasquez has a ton of intangibles, size, strength, mobility with that size and strength, good link-up play, a very, very good forward. In and around the box, eight goals, four assists. He's unselfish, not only at trying to link up and provide for other players, but he's honest in that effort on both sides of the ball. And he's also not going to cost Chivas a pretty penny, a pretty peso. This is a player that I think now he will have to renounce the U.S. men's national team and those aspirations 
But this is a player that makes sense for Chivas because it's out of the blue. It's one of these players that they've gotten and has produced well for them uh, in the past. Kind of comes out of nowhere, like a Carlos Salcedo from Major League Soccer to Chivas that explodes on Chivas. See, I think this would be the most intriguing, the most interesting option. I don't know if it's the best, but I would love to see Brandon Vasquez make that jump from FC Cincinnati to Chivas. You know, all the crossover talk that we would get would be brilliant there. Elsewhere, Herc in Liga Mekis. She was happening between Danny Alves and Biojo Herrera. <laughs> Danny Alves linked all over Liga Mekis, but specifically to Tigres. Now he's 39 years old, he's out of contract at Barcelona, but he did play over a thousand minutes for them in all competitions last season. By the way, he's still a Brazilian international, yes. And yet despite all that, Miguel Herrera just doesn't really seem all that interested. Let's listen. Si lo que trato es de rejuvenecer mi plantel y no, quien no hubiera quisiera tener a Dani Alves en el momento cuando estaba en el Barcelona. Hoy en día traer un jugador de, de, de esa edad me parece que es más por, por el nombre y por lo que significaría mediáticamente que por lo que nos puede ayudar dentro de la cancha. Sin dejar de pensar que es un gran jugador, ¿no? por ahí van a decir, no, no, Miguel no quería a Dani Alves, no. O sea, yo quiero, quiero a Dani Alves, el que juega con Pep Guardiola, ese es, en esa edad es extraordinario. Hoy con la edad que tiene, pues ya es más bombazo de nombre que, que lo, el tiempo que nos pueda ayudar mediáticamente y, y, y por supuesto va a jugar a lo mejor un torneo muy bueno, por supuesto tengo que volver a pensar en seguir viendo quién bien vendría en ese lugar. All right, Herc, Danny Alves <laughs> did not take this laying down. There you can read or pretty much make out his tweet saying, well, taking a shot, let's put it that way. At Piojo Herrera. This guy, this it's, guy. Yeah, this, look at this guy. All right, so uh, clearly shots fired here, Herc. Who are you siding with? All right. Any team would love Danny Alves because of what he's represented, the name he is, and the character he is, and the, ab and the ability to bring in a player like that to your organization would make you better. Yes, by osmosis, yes. But you need to understand right now Miguel Herrera and Tigres. This is why I'm siding with Miguel Herrera and Tigres. They need a generational shift, a change. You look at players like Nahuel Guzman, Hugo Ayala, Carrioca, Andre Pierre Gignac. I mean, they're one of the older rosters in Mexican football. They're a team that's won everything, but those players, the majority of them, are no longer in their prime. And he says so himself. He's like, I gotta get younger. I can't think about getting older. Maybe the pure name would bring me something for a year. But the reality of him building he something here isn't likely. I'm with Miguel Herrera on this one, though. I love me some Danny Alves. Yeah. Yeah, and not just the Danny Alves, we should point out, that played for Pep Guardiola many, many moons ago. This guy, as I said, still a Brazilian international. Five appearances this year, 2022, for Brazil, trying to, you know, get another spot at another World Cup. Like, you're a Brazilian international. I think somewhere in Liga Mekki, Cirque, there should be interest. Maybe it's not Tigres. Maybe another club like America, where, by the well, way, he's been linked. There's a reason that it's being linked with Tigres. Who could afford him? Okay. Okay, there it is, right. America, how, how could I forget? Have no They blew everything money. on cabecita. <laughs> uh, speaking of Barcelona and Dani Alves, did you see this? Pumas is going to play Barcelona. When is it? August 7th in the John Camper Trophy. It's an annual friendly that uh, Barcelona hosts at the camp now, and Pumas getting the invite this year. That's pretty cool, Herc. That's very cool. The last time Pumas was invited to one of these, it was against Real Madrid. Hugo Sanchez's Pumas against Real Madrid. Alejandro Castro was it Alex Castro? He ended up scoring the goal. Israel Castro, excuse me. Israel Castro was the guy who scored the goal, 1-0 win. Make it two for two now. 
Yeah. That's a sweet opportunity, plus like a little showcase event too, right? It kind of comes at a weird time, August 7th, but you play well at Camp Now, at Barcelona. Maybe you, maybe you open some eyes. Gamper you Fest. An offer to. Atlas was the first team that was rumored, but they couldn't because of the schedule. Well, camp, we always camp, complain so. that Mexico doesn't export enough. Now they're exporting the whole <laughs> all of Pumas to Spain. So there you have it. Parting shot. We showed you a couple of the goals. The Daytona Soccer Fest taking place over the 4th of July weekend. They had a couple games. Uh, America de Cali against Millonarios, a couple Colombian teams. That was on Saturday. The main event, you just saw Orlando racing Louisville on Sunday. Herc, some, some folks called it a, a golden idea. Others said it was kind of gimmicky. Where do you fall? Have they seen American soccer? They're calling <laughs> it gimmicky. Come on, man. Embrace this kind of thing. I thought it was cool. Yeah, definitely. Chance the Rapper, Rao Alejandro. They got some big names there just for year one. Are you with me? A little Football America's road trip next year? Dude, we gotta go, like, there should be a version of this show where we experience every type of soccer environment from Major League Soccer, NWSL, USL, down. There you see uh, lots of fun at Daytona Speedway. From Daytona Speedway to Old Trafford. Huh? Why? Ah, Women's Euros starts tomorrow. And that's where the action is. England, the hosts, and one of the tournament favorites taking on Austria. Don't miss it, coverage starts on ESPN2. All right, Hercules Gomez, that'll do it for the show. Any final thoughts? Good luck tomorrow, man. You're hosting the uh, Women's uh, Euros. Good luck with that. I'm sure it'll be excellent coverage as usual, per usual here at ESPN. So have yes. fun, man. I will be hosting not on Wednesday. That's Kay Murray, all Kay. Well, uh, you're doing not England. Wednesday. I'm just saying yes. the, you're yes. doing the Euros. So just my take my the first chance will be Saturday. We got some huge games. But we will be back Thursday. I don't know what I can promote. But I know it'll be good. This man said I he's know mad at the Sydney White LaRue. House. Sydney LaRue. Sydney LaRue, they Biden. just told me. Yes. I'm mad at Joe Excellent. Biden. Look at Football Americas. Bring in the interview heat. research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.